Welcome to Talking New Energy, a podcast from Delta EE, the new energy experts. We'll be talking about how the energy transition is developing across Europe, with guests who are working at the leading edge of this transition. Hello, and welcome to the episode. Lots and lots of eyes are focused on electric vehicles at the moment. Uh, They're focused from the energy sector, and of course, lots of eyes in the automotive space are focused on EVs. And today I'm talking with one such company from the automotive space, not a manufacturer, but a leasing company. As many of you will know, a significant proportion of vehicles are leased to customers rather than customers buying them outright. What does the growth of EVs mean for leasing companies? How can leasing companies support customers in a world of electrified transport? And will mobility follow the as-a-service trend that we see in more and more industries? So will we see electric mobility as a service starting to take hold? To discuss these questions and more, I'm joined by two guests, Nick Salkelt, COO of MHC Mobility, and my colleague and Delta EE expert, Kate Armitage. Let's say hello to both of you. So hello, Nick. Hi. Morning. Hi. Hi, Kate. Morning, John. Morning, Nick. Okay. Um, Nick, can I start with you first? I'm guessing that many of our listeners might not have heard of MHC Mobility. Okay. Uh, maybe they've lost out so far by not knowing <laughs> who you are, but can you give us an elevator yeah, pitch? Yeah, sure. Happy to, John. Um, yeah, MHC Mobility, it's a European mobility business. Uh, we're backed by um, the global Mitsubishi HC Capital based in, uh, in Tokyo, uh, which is a subsidiary of MUFG. Uh, a very substantial uh, worldwide banking group. We've got a presence uh, across Europe in uh, currently nine countries, um, although we're looking obviously to expand uh, as our strategy evolves. We've got them more, more than 500,000 vehicles globally, which include cars, commercial vehicles, vans, e-scooters, e-bikes. So we very much have developed our portfolio based upon the the changing market uh, demands and needs. And we've also got one of the fastest growing uh, EV fleets uh, in, in Europe. How, how many of those 500K or what sort of numbers of EVs? If you're uh, in, well, in, in, in Europe, uh, we, we have around uh, 15% of our portfolio, which is uh, EV and, uh, and wow. hybrid. Wow. And that obviously is, is expanding um, today, if we look at the, the level of growth in 2021, obviously in, in a, a number of the key markets, if it, for example, the UK and the Netherlands, that portfolio, particularly on the EV side, uh, is, is expanding and actually outgrowing the, the hybrid uh, take up. That's exciting. Um, yeah, yeah, it's a, it's a big change. We've seen that certainly uh, you know, evolve over the last uh, year or so. And it's very rapidly changing. If you look at, it, as I said, 2021 has been some important changes and we're looking very much to to outgrow the market in terms of the level of ev take up um, because we we believe that we want to adopt uh, very much uh, a leading uh, position the other thing is that we're very much as part of this this strategy uh, uh, focus on a sustainable future so for us you know as as digitization accelerates cities evolve uh, tr- ways of traveling changes as, we, as we've all seen you know, we want to be providing more flexible solutions at MHC Mobility uh, to our customers. And we think the decarbonisation agenda and obviously the focus on EV is really, really important. That's great to hear, Nick. Um, 
When I introduced MHC as a leasing company, for those of our listeners that aren't so familiar with leasing, can you just describe in a nutshell what you offer, well, who your customers are and what you offer them? In, in the main, our customers are, are corporate users. We have a range of small fleet through to very large, substantial uh, corporate users. But 99% of our business is in, the, is in the corporate and business sector with a very small amount of uh, personal uh, leasing. Uh, but obviously, as the EV take up uh, accelerates, there are more opportunities for us in the personal leasing space uh, as well. But predominantly, we're, we're focused on the business and corporate sector. And they might be taking, what, how many vehicles? What's the range from? Well, it could be anything from two or three to 15,000 plus. So there's a huge range in terms of fleet actual sizes and also fleet potentials. Yeah. Okay. Thanks, Nick. Um, Okay. Come back to you shortly. Um, Kate, I know we've talked a lot about your interest in the leasing space and EVs. Can you explain that? that interest, why you're so uh, so excited about companies like Nick's company, MHC, getting more involved in EVs? Yeah, definitely. Um, uh, so I'm not, there's no, uh, leasing isn't new by any stretch of the imagination. Um, and particularly on the business and corporate side, this is, this is a, a well-trodden route. Um, but for me, where it gets interesting is where you introduce electric vehicles. Uh, and that's because we all know and agree that electric vehicles are good for the environment uh, and are absolutely essential to taking the carbon out of the transport, the road transport system. But the fly in the ointment is that they are very expensive up front yeah. to buy. Uh, however, if you look at an electric vehicle over the life that you own it, which we call the total cost of ownership, electric vehicles are actually very attractive as an alternative to an internal combustion engine vehicle. So, uh, so you really have to be thinking about uh, these in terms of the total cost of ownership and amortizing that upfront cost over the life that you have that vehicle for. And that is where it plays straight into the hands of leasing a vehicle rather than owning it. Um, and when I talk about uh, high upfront costs, the, benefit, the benefits, as we, as many of us know, it, the, the, are the low running costs. And that's specifically um, the fuel, the cost of the electricity, despite rising electricity prices at the moment it's still very cost effective and also um the servicing and maintenance on electric vehicles is dramatically lower than the traditional model which kind of leads into this other exciting element leasing companies are service providers uh, and the world of opportunity that opens up when you're talking about providing services that relate to um, alternative fuel vehicles but probably more accurately electric vehicles Mm. becomes really interesting what so those charging services the smart charging exactly uh, exactly so it's not just about the provision provision of the vehicle anymore but there's an opportunity to actually um, uh, provide the entire service for that vehicle, including the fueling, so the charging hardware, potentially the electricity management of the battery asset. So there's a trend we see in other industries, which is, well, in the energy transition, more high capex items for customers, like a really efficient heating system or like a PV on your roof, uh, low OPEX, but that upfront cost is a hurdle for many. So uh, I guess it's a similar trend 
vehicle as a service all the way through to mobility as a service for yeah. for EVs. Uh, and battery storage, you know, it, it intersects so many other parts of the energy uh, transition. Yeah. Nick, I'm imagining you share Kate's excitement about uh, EVs and leasing, but what, yes, definitely. when you think about the growing proportion of fleet that's electric vehicles, what opportunities does this open up apart from just keeping doing what you're doing, but with electric vehicles rather than combustion engine vehicles? Uh, well, opportunities, obviously, as the market, I mean, Kate summarised, I think, very well um, what that means potentially for us in terms of looking at the, the total cost of ownership or, or total cost of mobility, as we're now uh, calling it, because for us, it's about the holistic approach to, to, to that. So it's it's really important to, uh, in, in terms of opportunities, to embrace um, the the challenges that, that we face with, with electric vehicle uh, transition. But with that, the, the opportunities are significant. I mean, we, we look at uh, now a higher level of take-up potentially in terms of company cars because obviously the benefit in kind uh, issues are, are more preferential for the drivers. We take the UK as an example. The very points that Kate's making about, uh, making about the total cost aspect, when you look at the, the overall cost, electric vehicles are extremely um, uh, beneficial in terms of overall cost when you, when you take into account the the total mobility cost. So, Nick, what about the other services that Kate talked about, uh, going beyond just providing leasing a, a vehicle but with a different drivetrain? What are you hearing from your customers? Are they wanting more services from you than just a vehicle, or what? What do you think they do want from you? Yeah, um, well, John, I think the I mean, the key challenge is partnering up with our customers to support them in the transition from ICE to to EV. So the, the, there is a lot of support that we need to provide to customers and drivers, but also to focus on the, the holistic aspect of the service that we can provide in terms of our mobility solutions. So one of the challenges that we're seeing on electric vehicles is, of course, the, 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 you know, the, 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 the infrastructure needed for charging. And, and you know, we're looking to, to try and tailor infrastructure solutions for customers to be able to give them this sort of more um, modular end-to-end charging proposition. You know, looking at consolidated solutions for, uh, for charging, because for us, that's really, really important because it's not just about providing the vehicle or indeed the leasing uh, rental associated with that vehicle. We also have to have a look at the, the overall package that's provided because you know, one of the challenges we're, we're, we're finding is the aspect of, of, of charging. It used to be very much a sort of range anxiety that we were seeing with electric vehicles. Now we're looking at something that is more related to charger anxiety and how do we cope with that, uh, that charging challenge. So that's our focus at the moment as to how we can provide more of that holistic approach, end-to-end charging solutions. So it's not just about the leasing provision. And can I add in, um, Nick, that uh, particularly in a in a corporate um, environment and a fleet environment, um, they don't necessarily know what they want, John. You know, all of that time and effort and thought has gone into um, 
which uh, will electric vehicles work for me? You know, how, which vehicles in my fleet should I be looking at switching across? Um, uh, so the the decision making then around the infrastructure is secondary. And uh, I think one of the things that we've discovered from some work that we've been doing recently, looking at um, uh, uh, corporate workplace charging, is a lot of the time it is... Um, perceived as charging hardware and the procurement is approached is approached as a hardware exercise but actually charging is much more of a service anyway of course there's a hardware element to it um but it's how are they going to be the hardware element kate might be building the charging infrastructure the charges at the the depot exactly the service element might be then the maintenance of that or the electricity what, yes. what, what do you mean by the ongoing part? Uh, so so you, you need a, a kind of back office computer system that provides that holistic view of what your infrastructure is doing. It gives the fleet manager visibility of which charges are working, how much power, um, which vehicles are being charged. Um, and, and understanding that and understanding what you need to procure actually is quite difficult when you've never done it before. Uh, and then from that, the journey then goes on, which is, well, uh, now, of course, you need load balancing or you need to upgrade your power supply. And what happens when your employees aren't charging in the in the office car park? How do you incorporate charging from home into that story? How do you monitor that? How do you pay your employees if they're charging their, their van up at home? Well, um, from, the, from this all these things, Kate, Nick, it sounds like you've got a lot to do. There's a lot that you've got to do <laughs> yeah, that you weren't doing before. But in a sense, it's it's um, not altogether surprising because this is such a huge change in, in approach. I mean, bear in mind, you know, ICE vehicles and the way that it's been approached through fleets, that's been going on for many, many years. And now we're looking at the evolution towards uh, um, uh, electric vehicles. And, you know, we, we saw last year, uh, in, in all of the countries, electric vehicle take-up has been significantly increased. And we saw in the UK, what, 20, 30, 36% of registrations were, were electric vehicle and, uh, and hybrid. So it was a very significant percentage. So that will raise more, 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 more challenges. The other thing we're seeing is accuracy of billing is, is, is of an issue because you're looking at some drivers are paying between 2.3 pence per mile when charging at home. Others are paying more than 9 pence. And, and, and the, the, the variations can be very significant. So we need to look at working with customers to, to be able to get the reporting right on that so that we can also encourage them where, where best to apply the charging, sort of points that Kate's making there. So it's a very, uh, exciting, it's a very exciting time, but we, you know, partnering with customers is really important. All the, the challenges that Kate's summarizing, the, the ones that I'm pointing to, uh, show how important it is for people to work together, for, for mobility providers like MHC Mobility and customers to work really closely together on this. And do you see that, Nick, as part of your new core competence? So are these things that you're bringing in-house that MHC is offering themselves, or as it's all quite new, are you partnering with people that can provide these services with you or for you or a bit of both? Yeah, so so obviously we work in the UK, as you know, with with, with GridServe. But I mean, we we very much uh, see ourselves when when our customers are talking to us, we want to be able to answer all of these questions for them in terms of the 
the integrated solution. And obviously, our job is behind the scenes to make, make sure we're able to provide that, to, that, that solution. So it's not just about the provision of the vehicle at a cost, but also meeting these challenges, supporting our customers in terms of coming up solution for these challenges and making sure we're working with the right partners so that when we're presenting uh, this uh, total cost and mobility to our customers, uh, it's it's with the confidence of knowing we've got a good infra- infrastructure behind us. Kate, what do you see when you look widely? Do you see companies like MHC developing new core competences or is it a struggle for some companies to move from you know, the traditional way of working to all the other services that you need with EVs? Uh, I think it's, this is definitely a big ask, uh, not least of which um, in the same way that, that fleets are now having to juggle vehicles of multiple fuels, so are the leasing companies. So um, yes, it's great news that we're seeing um, EV take up of 10, 20, 30% within um, uh within vehicle parks, um, but there is still maintaining the petrol diesel fleet as well. So you've got your business as usual and this whole new new world, uh, and somehow you have to balance both of those two things. At the same time that we've seen uh, plug-in vehicles rising in popularity, we've seen um, uh, diesel vehicles losing popularity at a dramatic rate. Uh, and I think, I think I've, I've said this before, um, but the whole raison d'etre of leasing companies is achieving the, the residual value on the vehicle at the end. So it, there's so many assumptions around the pricing of the service regarding what the value of that asset is at the end. Mm-hmm. Five years ago, our um, uh, the leasing companies were very worried about what the residual value of this new technology would be, uncertainty around the battery life, uncertainty around these vehicles. But I think actually what's happened is we've seen that electric vehicles are holding the value extremely well. And we suddenly have our attention firefighting in another direction, which is the uh, residual value of diesels, which has been a particularly stable market for decades, uh, is suddenly now falling into question so um, so that the, the value of lot... these awards has been predictable to a lot of des- a lot of significant figures but uh, yeah, not... for, for decades for decades yeah. so so yeah. We're, we're seeing quite a lot of turbulence in yeah. in the in the whole market and this transition to electric is not easy uh, there are so many elements to it and even the experts in you know the the e-mobility specialists that a lot of leasing companies are partnering with are still grappling with a lot of these issues and nuances particularly when it comes to corporate fleets Nick, what would you say your biggest challenges are then as this percentage of electric or battery electric vehicles, even rather than hybrids, goes up and up in your fleet? What are you going to have to get? What are you worried about? What your challenge is? It's a bit of a negative way of thinking, but what are you going to have to get right in the next years? Well, I think the um, obviously we talked about char- charging infrastructure. I mean, the, the pace of change in the various countries is obviously very different. So we see the the levels of support in the Netherlands, uh, for example, is very significant. In, also, in terms of other transport options that are are so important, so access uh, to public transportation to provide alternative means is important. But also, we're seeing the you know density of public EV charging stations, for example, in the Netherlands is is significantly higher than in a lot of other countries. So that support 
infrastructure is is really in, important. So working with governments to improve that is something we can't do on our, on our own. We need yeah. the support of government. So the pace of change in the in the various countries is 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 very different. Charging, as I said, charging infrastructure is a challenge. We need to respond to that challenge by providing, uh, a, a, if you like, a more holistic approach in terms of this end-to-end charging solution. Also, there's a lot of work to be done to explain to people how this uh, this change will work, particularly to drivers. So we spend a lot of the time uh, with our various EV hubs that we have to explain to drivers what that means so that there's an easier transition also to, to companies as part of their sustainability agenda to explain what it means, but particularly as we've highlighted at the start to explain the overall cost implications because yeah. it's a big change. There's the, you know, all these companies have transport budgets and mobility budgets now, and they need to know what the change will be to their overall cost structure as a result of making this change to, to EV. So yeah, there's a lot of work we need to do, um, but that's why leasing and mobility providers have such a big role to play now and in the future because the partnership aspect that uh, I've highlighted, Kate had uh, highlighted, are, I think, really important for the future success of EV. We can't do it on our own. Customers can't do it on their own. We require also OEMs to work with us. We work, require governments to work with us, local authorities to work with us. So it's, it's now more than ever about real partnership and not just one company doing what they want or a leasing provider doing what they want. There has to be a complete holistic approach to this. Yeah. And the, the nature of what it means to be a leasing company in a few years to, well, now is different to what it was five years ago because five years ago, I guess it was the cars and maybe the fuel cards or something like that. Uh, now it's the cars, it's the charge points, it's so many different things you've got to think about. Your business is quite different. Yeah, uh, but it's also it's also part of the, the transition to mobility, John. I mean, what we're saying is that we've seen this in, not just as a result of EB, but, but, but EV, but companies are looking for more than just the provision of a vehicle. So other transport options is really important. A mobility budget is now much more important for companies. What's my total cost of mobility, not just related to vehicles? So, it, it of course, it, it's a big change from what we've seen, but it's also, an, if you like, a natural transition from the changes in terms of mobility and transport into EV. And that's that's why it's a, such an exciting time uh, for us because the opportunities are very significant. Okay, well, let's move on out to the... Uh, phrase I used in the introduction mobility as a service Um, because I think that's what you started talking about is you're providing not just cars but mobility. Kate can you just demystify this word a bit for our listeners wondering what on earth does mobility as a service mean? What does it mean to you? um, So uh, so actually actually, John um, uh, many people have heard me say this before but it's such a simple way to describe it uh, and I've plagiarised this from a gentleman at BMW that I heard 10 years ago. Uh, he said um, that if you think about traditional vehicle ownership, you think of James Bond um, because he owns his car uh, and he gets he modifies his car to do all the things that he needs it to do. That's the traditional ownership model. Um, but we're moving into a world of Jason Bourne 
where you don't own a vehicle. Uh, if you need a vehicle, you borrow it or you steal it or you jump on it. <laughs> uh, and you may only be in that vehicle for 10 seconds or you may be in that vehicle for, for three days. Um, and and that, that's really how I see mobility as a service. It's not this linear, this is my one mode of transport. It's about whatever is the best mode of transport for the job at that moment in time, wherever you happen to be. Nick, how would that chime with you? Uh, the yeah, you know, James it, Bourne, Jason Bourne analogy for uh, yeah. Well, I'm not sure about the Jason Bourne analogy, but, but <laughs> I can understand the point. But I think no, I think absolutely agree. I think the you know the um, you know mobility is now very much about the integration of of, of different um, modes of transport, of numerous modes of transport into a single mobility service. So I absolutely agree, Kate's point. I think for for us, you know, that's part and parcel of what. Uh, MHE Mobility as a mobility service provider has to do. We have to offer uh, an overall solution, not just about the vehicle, but the the full range of mobility uh, options so that the the driver of of, of the historical driver of the vehicle has other alternatives um, available to him or her in terms of their transport uh, uh, needs. And, you know, picking up on your point, John, about this sort of buzzword, I mean, I think mobility as a service in, okay, it's a word. It's a it's a it's a description of what we do, but it's it's really um, something I think as an industry we've been, we've been doing for years. I mean, our job has been as uh, leasing providers, uh, fleet management companies, as we used to be, is to make sure that our drivers, our customers, uh, are mobile, that their drivers are able to to retain their mobility. And I think enabling companies and their employees to be mobile has been the very heart of uh, leasing. What we've seen would it be. Sorry. No, no. But what we've seen, John, is that that has now extended into these wider range of transport options so that it's it's more of a mobility provision. So it's a full range of options rather than just providing traditional uh, um, car leasing as as we will remember it. So it's it it is a buzzword, you might say, because everybody's talking about it. But for me, it's not such a complex um, word in the sense that we have been providing mobility uh, as leasing businesses for many, many years. I guess a way that you'll be providing that yes. is changing. You've been providing that through essentially providing a car. Um, and in the future, it's a different type of car with different services. But it, yes. what else might that involve? Help. Uh, I can imagine our listeners thinking, well, I get the concept, but what might one of your customers who previously said, MHC, can we have 100 cars? Uh, can we lease 100 cars from you? What might they be asking you or what might you be giving them? That's... Well, I mean, the, the, one, the one thing that we look at is uh, when we do an, a fleet assessment with, with our customers, um, when we go in as MHE Mobility, we look at the, 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 the fleet that they have to say, do you actually need that number of vehicles? Is, are all those vehicles being properly used? Is there full utilization? Are there alternative ways, car sharing, for example? Is that an opportunity? Can we look at different modes of transport? Is it, is it possible that you can uh, support your drivers to move from A to B with other forms of transport? Have we looked at e-bikes in some of the cities? Are there other electric vehicle transport requirements that we need to be delivering? So for, for us, it's about making sure that we're, we offer that, that full, uh, full range. But it's not just about the car anymore. It's not, not just about the commercial vehicle. It's about... Uh, making sure that we support our customers to look at one 
Uh, can they use their fleet more efficiently to be able to reduce their costs and improve services within their, within their fleet? But really importantly, can we do it more sustainably? Is there un- another way of supporting our customers to, uh, to achieve their mobility needs? And that's we think, is a critical part of what MHC Mobility as a business has to be delivering uh, as part of our sustainability agenda moving forward, because that's a critical part of our strategy. Kate, do you see that wider trend or do you think it's it's more to come rather than in the market yet or are you seeing signs of this through through your research? So uh, mob- people have been talking about mobility as a service for years. Um, there have been some high-profile um, uh, failures, maybe you could say, um, uh, around car clubs, Paris's famous electric auto leap, um, BMW struggled with Drive Now in London, um, and we've also had the terrible effects of the pandemic, which has really impacted a lot of this shared mobility uh, model. Um, uh, I am very optimistic. Uh, I think you, the underlying trend uh, is still good. So the timings, we may not have got right. It may have taken longer. Um, some of the cult, uh, cultural behavioural stuff around, uh, actually, there's a lot more James Bond in us than we realised, uh, despite the fact that we think Jason Bond's great. It's not quite for us yet. <laughs> so it's just it's just how at what speed uh, this happens. Um uh, I, I I believe it is good. I believe it is right. We look at the young people today and they are much less about owning vehicles, um, uh, much less actually about learning to drive, uh, which again is something that companies like MHC need to have their eye on. You know, the e-bikes, the e-scooters may actually become much more relevant for younger employees sooner than uh, we, we might have anticipated. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I guess with these sort of trends, often they take longer to happen, which is what you described just now, Kate. But when they happen, they can happen much more quickly than people anticipate. Yeah. As I think we've seen with electric vehicle take up in the last yeah. last years. That way. So I'm really, really excited, Nick, about how you talk about what your the conversations with customers because you're focusing on the outcomes of what they need, that the ultimate service, you know, needing to get from A to B and what's the most efficient, sustainable, cost-effective way of doing that. Yeah, and, that, and, and of course, that, that's, that's, that's what we have to do. That's what we continue to do. But the, the really important thing is that at the heart of what we're doing is, is delivering a service. I mean, the, the most important thing is to make sure that our customers, their drivers uh, are, 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 you know, mobile, have the different options available to them in terms of particularly when we're explaining about the move to electric vehicles. Um, but the really, you know, the, the, the fundamental uh, core of what we do is making sure our customers are, are, are really happy with the services that we're, we're providing. And so we shouldn't also forget about the fact that as part of our fleet, and Kate mentioned it earlier, we have a significant ICE um, vehicle content, which we yeah. need to make sure we continue to service yeah. Um, because at the heart of that is the delivery of the service to our customers. And that's the most important thing for us is, yeah. is, is not just explaining about the evolution and the change to EV, which is critical, but also about making sure we, we, we are delivering a service uh, to all of our drivers across the whole fleet. Yeah. 
Okay, well, let's bring out the Talking New Energy Crystal Ball. And this week, I'm going to set the dial to 2030. Um, now, we've talked a bit about the future already in terms of the trend, the way things are going. Um, I'm going to ask a relatively simple question, and you can answer it in whatever way you choose. But if we think of 2030 and we think of customers um, who don't want to or can't pay for an electric vehicle up front. Can you describe how you think they'll be getting from A to B? And the answer is, of course, a range of ways. So, uh, but what will, can you give me one thing that will change most by 2030 that is as more different from, or really different from today? So, Customers that want to get from A to B can't afford to buy an electric vehicle. How might they be getting from A to B in quite a different way from people generally do today? Nick, do you want to go first and, and, and then Kate? Yeah, I mean, well, I think in terms of that challenge, you know, that's where leasing, I think, becomes so important because being able to support our customers to be able to to uh, facilitate that the, the, the change to EVs is done through leasing, to be able to look at the, the overall cost of, uh, of mobility and be able to provide that through a, a leasing rental is, is, is critical, but also to be able to ensure that we're delivering um, that mobility budget. So looking at the, the, the different options. But I, I think uh, because, the, you know, when we look at the, um, the, the scale of the fleet, uh, the, the, the size of, of, of fleets, the way in which fleets can at the forefront of this change is so important because of the, the number of vehicles that we're that we're talking about. Yeah. Okay. Thanks, Nick. Kate, how about you? I'd I'd like to paint a picture, John. Great. Uh, somewhere, somewhere, somewhere in Europe, possibly yeah. not in the UK, possibly somewhere like Norway by 2030. Um, I envisage that the humble multi-story car park will be totally different. Uh, I think we'll see all, an all-electric multi-storey car park, um, which means no tailpipe fumes, which means it can be an enclosed building, which would be a rather pleasant experience. Um, and it will be serviced by car clubs, um, as well as individual vehicle ownership. And that multi-storey car park will become a virtual power plant. Uh, and it will also be a mobility hub. So it will be a place to take your electric vehicle that you've charged up overnight to the to the mobility hub. Um, it could be, and I think a lot of this is influenced by what we know is happening around clear, clean air zones and zero emission zones and car-free zones in our towns and cities. Is, so, it city, is this car park in a city centre, Kate, in a suburb? It, it, uh, so it depends on what on whether it's a car-free uh, city or whether yeah. it's a zero-emission city. Okay. Uh, so it will all be interpreted differently. It could be an out-of-town park and ride. But your vehicle during the day uh, becomes effectively vehicle-to-car park battery storage. So you've got the whole VPP. Uh, and as a mobility hub, it will be onward transportation via e-bus 
or e-scooter or e-bike. Um, so that, that and, and I don't think this is a pipe dream. We will see it. I think we will see it by 2030, possibly um, not in the UK, maybe in, in Norway or, or maybe more relevant in uh, actually a southern European city where scooter, e-scooters are taking off much quicker uh, for obvious reasons in terms of climate. And, and I think, I think, John. I mean, just picking up on that point, I think we, you know, we see businesses as real change makers in this when it comes to making these changes to to carbon net zero position by by twenty thirty. And I think, you know, the, the businesses at the forefront of of these changes by by taking the leadership position. I think they'll they'll lead the charge. That's what we're seeing today. And I think as that happens, there'll be more exposure to electric vehicles. There will be more private individuals that will then look and see, okay, uh, I, I see my, 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 my neighbour next door is now have, has an electric vehicle on his or her drive, and that will then also support this, this change. But I think at the forefront of this is the, the businesses taking the lead as change makers to make this, this change happen. So the things that, that Kate's talking about in terms of also our aspirations to move to a carbon net zero position by 2030, I think that will be made easier by having uh, businesses taking the leading position and then private individuals seeing that actually electric vehicles um, are, are very much thing, not just of the future, but of the present to, today as well. And that, I think when we see businesses taking that leadership, um, supported by governments and the infrastructural changes, then we, we, we are very hopeful of a, of a carbon net zero position by 2030 actually being a reality. Well, I always enjoy the conversations I have on the podcast. I'm particularly excited about today's conversation uh, and the the way in which corporate fleets, I think you've described, Nick, are changing. There still sounds quite early, but I think that transformation will be very quick, as you say. And Kate, very excited by the, the picture you painted. Uh, and yeah, I can really really see that happening and you've got a great intersection there of changes in mobility and mobility's uh impact in the electricity or energy sector so uh nick kate thanks both very much for a really stimulating conversation uh really enjoyed it uh hope everyone listening enjoyed it too and it gave you some new ideas some uh, new perspectives um maybe encourage you to go to look at an ev if you haven't already think about that transition for yourself Look forward to welcoming you back to the episode next week. Thanks and goodbye. Thank you, John. Thank Thanks, you. Kate. Thank Thanks, you. Nick. Thanks, Thank you. If you're as passionate about the energy transition as we are, then please keep in touch. You can follow us and me on Twitter, LinkedIn, or subscribe to the podcasts on your chosen podcast platform. If you like the podcast and like sharing, then please do rate us. And to listen to archived episodes, to read transcripts, and to see the latest Delta EE insights, then please visit www.delta-ee.com. Mm-hmm.